Hey, what's up? This is Evan. And Michael. And welcome back to Dungeon Talk episode 11. 11. In 2013. Yep. Um, it's been a while. It's been, what, two months? Uh, almost? Somewhere in there. I, I looked, the last time we posted a, a podcast, which isn't necessarily the day we recorded it, was back in late November. So it's been 45, 50 days since we posted anything. On the and we, we, didn't, we didn't play any games during any of that time either. Uh, we played a couple. Uh, Nico ran. Oh, because we posted the um, Maidman episodes. Yep. Well, but not any Dungeon Talks. Yeah, we haven't done any Dungeon Talks. And most, all the campaign Maidmen that we posted were from... Previously recorded. Yeah, it's all from the same day. I was just getting around to edit them. I know we played at least two games under Nico. He's running the D&D playtest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so before my surgery, I just didn't really feel up to running. I was on a lot of medication. What surgery did you have? I had uh, an ear slash brain surgery. Don't so wanna... yeah, okay. So th- here's the. That's probably the biggest reason why we took a break, was because you had you were having like these ear infections that lasted a long, long time, and then you went in to see the doctor, and they said we're going to do surgery, and then you went back to to do some surgery prep, and they said. Now you have to have brain surgery. Kind of, yeah. That's sort of the way it works. The, 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 I don't know if it's funny or not, but I had to have a CAT scan done in just preparation for the surgery. And I got that done on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Probably about 2 o'clock. Left work a little bit early, went over there, got it done. About 4 o'clock, my doctor's office called me and, and almost verbatim said, you need to go to the hospital right now. Without saying why. We didn't, didn't necessarily say why, because it's the nurse who called me, and they're not allowed to really mm-hmm. give that type of information. And I'm like, well... But just imagine if you were driving home, and the, the <laughs> hospital called and said, turn around right now. I mean, that's what it felt like. I'm, why? I'm, what, what's going on? I just I, can't, I can't tell you, Yeah, and on, you have to come and in. And right on now. top of that, there's a, a pretty good hospital not far from my house. And I'm like, well, can I go to the one over by my house? Because it's really close. They're like, no... You need to go to the one downtown. Because no, you have something so rare. <laughs> yes, because they literally said, because there's a neurosurgeon on call at that hospital, that's why you have to go to that one. I'm like, okay. And then that's when your balls fell off. <laughs> Pretty much. So I, I hung up the phone. My wife had just gotten home with the kids from daycare. I'm like, baby, we, I got to go to the hospital right now, and I don't know why. Um, and on top of that, I had to go over and pick up a copy of the CAT scan to take with me so the neurosurgeon at the hospital would be able to see what they saw and do the diagnosis. So long story, already too long, um, I did have, a, basically it's called a cholesteatoma. It's, a, it's a basically like a cyst or mass. And most people who have these... It's otherwise, otherwise known as large penis syndrome. <laughs> I wish, no. Uh, basically, most people who have cholesteatomas, they're on the other side of the eardrum and the inner ear, and they're really easy to see and they're really easy to diagnose. You know about them early, and then you can take care of them. Mine formed at the top above the eardrum. I don't know what the name of that part of the body is. And basically, it attaches itself to the, to the roof. So think of it this way. The attic is where your brain is, and your living room is your ear. Most people would have a clustiotoma on the floor of the living room. Mine was on the ceiling, and it destroyed the ceiling to the point that it was almost touching my brain. And if that had happened then there's a good chance that the infections I already had would have caused meningitis, also stroke, seizure, and death, and not necessarily in that order. Mm-hmm. So while the surgery itself was a big deal, it wasn't like my life was in danger, but if we hadn't had the surgery, like if I wasn't aware of it, it would eventually have killed me. But who knows if that would have been three or four weeks or years down the road. Yeah. Uh, but because of the medication I was on, which was a seizure preventer, that's what I think really affected my brain. I was just having trouble 
and I talk about this always, I, I stumble over words sometimes because I'm trying to think of the right one, but it was worse. At least it felt worse to me. Yeah. I, I mean, it just, I didn't feel like I could concentrate very well, so I didn't feel like running any games. Mm-hmm. So even the last day we talked about, we wanted to play, when you guys showed up, I was like, I just, I'm not in any condition to run a game. And do, I, I don't think a podcast would have went very well either. Yeah, because we talked about doing that is also, and yeah. So it's been a while, uh, but but things are back to normal. Surgery went so fine. So you had a hole in your head. Yes, I have closed it up. Wicked scars. My my entire ear basically was cut off, mm-hmm. except for one little part of the bottom and just laid over like a fillet. And they dug out this golf ball sized thing out of my head. Wow. Okay, uh, so you have a full, you're making a full recovery. Pretty much, I'm probably ninety five percent back. I still mm-hmm. uh, like when we played the other night. I still felt like there were words that I was struggling, and maybe there was just. I didn't Normal notice stuff. anything when we were playing the other night. Okay, because I did thinking you know, of, like, I couldn't think of Raiders of the Lost Ark. I kept thinking, I was trying to figure out, like, what was the first name of the Indiana Jones movie? It's little stuff like that is what you were... Yeah, because usually, I'm a movie guy. Usually, I can come up with movie titles and names really quickly. I couldn't think of the name of the character Sala. There were a couple places where I was struggling to describe things, I felt. And then again, I left out, as I mentioned just before we started, there was a really big thing that was kind of supposed to happen in my game, and I forgot to do it. Uh, so that will be something we have to deal with next time. So we played my the, the most recent session of, of the game we're playing. We're also posting as the uh, Campaigns Made Men uh, actual play podcast. And your characters had just left going into the wasteland when we stopped playing a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. So in this version or this this session, you finish going through the, the wastelands, which it's kind of like a desert, but it's not necessarily in like the Sahara Desert with sand dunes blown. It's more like the Painted Desert and... New Mexico with lots of valleys and rocky cliffs and that kind of thing. Um, and you were making your way towards this tower. And the way we had, the way I had set up your character at the beginning is your dad was kind of like Indiana Jones. He was a sort of famous archaeological guy who goes into the wasteland, which is full of elven and gifts artifacts, digs them up, finds them, trades them, looking for something else. And sort of his holy grail would be this tower that supposedly was just, you know, four or five days out from the city. It used to be this elven city. It was taken over when the guests showed up. And when the guests left, it just disappeared. And it, that's what they were kind of using as their home base. And it literally just disappeared. It wasn't like there was rubble. It was just gone completely. No one could ever find it. So he spent his entire life looking for it. And then a couple of days ago, in game terms, it just showed back up. And you had gone to the wasteland for no, not for that reason. You went there because you were trying to get away from the gangs in the city and people were out to get you that kind of thing you're just looking for like a safe haven and then right away you're like holy shit there's the tower my dad's been looking for for his entire life so you kind of hooked up with one of your dad's old friends again the the sala character from Mm -hmm. raiders lost (coughs) Ark, and he agreed to go out there with you and you guys made your way out to the tower i'm not going to go through the entire story because it'll be very boring but one of the things that i did that i really i don't know if it's embarrassing or not but it's just kind of silly is there were two things that were really, really important that were supposed to happen at the top of the tower that didn't. Uh, one, you guys, as you know, you were hired by Graydon or kind of coerced by Graydon, who's your handler, to track down the people that are believed to have killed the princess and Sir Aqs. Mm-hmm. And you know that it's your previous PCs. Like we, we kind of, you know, metagaming, you know that the people you're tracking. Well, I thought that so at, so, at some point in the game, in this game, I thought that we were told that it, it turns out that it wasn't them. Now, the, the, the information that you were given is that the people who you think, well, in a way, yes. The, I think when you I met, forget where, where that I think came it was from, the though. queen 
she's she wasn't sure that it was those people or not i think and then you also learn later that sir accused isn't actually dead mm-hmm. that it was an imposter mm-hmm. so there is some question as whether it's not they actually did it okay but you are still supposed to hunt them down for grady well when you got to the top of the tower you were supposed to have found evidence that they were also at the tower in front of you oh. and that they had gone into the portal we didn't find you that. didn't find that at all <laughs> that would have been that's a big thing yes that would have been because one. We were uh, okay. So, so this is a real. That's a huge thing. <laughs> I know because we spent a lot of time uh, sitting around the table trying to justify trying doing to, something that your characters wouldn't do. Right, and we yeah. were, and none of, and none of us wanted to really do the. Well, we know we're supposed to go. We right. we know this is a doorway. We know we're supposed to go into it. We could have. We could have just said like my character. I could have just been like, okay, I'm gonna jump in and see what happens. Right. But that would have. But we were all just trying to be like, no, let's do this realistically. Let's try and. Which I'm glad. I'm. I'm and I think Nico and Rob are both trying to find a way to justify it, and they got close, but it still that's didn't work. true. Like I, it's funny now that we should have found that evidence, and it should have given a, us a reason to go in. And now looking back, like we were trying so hard to find a reason to just go in because here, because here, what happened is. Our characters got to the very top floor of this tower, and we found a we found a little control room with like a key in it, and we recognized the key because we used to have one just like it. And then in the center of the room, there was um, something similar to I was gonna say like the fly with Jeff Goldblum, but not like that. Like it's not like it opened and closed. It was just like there's like a cylinder that you that was glowing and you could walk in well, so there, you could put something into you, it imagine like a, a cylinder but it had two archways opposite of each other mm-hmm. so you could walk through it if but in this one there was a glowy purple light yeah and you guys were playing around with it and everything you threw in there disappeared, disappeared. so Nico's you thought it was a character. disintegration ring well i was see what i was saying was i don't it doesn't make any sense that this would be a weapon like it doesn't make any it didn't make any sense for there to be this, um, I don't know, the, the, the weapon thing didn't just make sense to me, but it, but at the same time, I couldn't leap from that straight to, um, this has to be a doorway or a time machine or something like that, because I've never seen anything right. like that. I wouldn't even know what that is. There was, and, and again, I, I would think that it was like something, I would probably think that it was any something evil or like, just I would there's no way anybody if you and I were walking through the woods now and we found something like that we wouldn't go let's step into it right yeah absolutely not so and I'm glad that you guys did it that way because I screwed up but again for people listening if you haven't been keeping up or reading the other stuff the game I'm running is a combination of sort of future there's like an alien invasion so there's this technology that's left behind and there's also very little magic so your characters don't understand the technology aspect so you wouldn't think it's a you know a technological portal or time machine And there's not enough magic for you guys to instantly think, oh, it's a magical thing that will teleport us or be a portal because there's not a lot of magic either. So there is really no reason for you guys to have found a way to walk through there. So that all made sense. I'm very happy that you guys, like, I would have felt a little let down if somebody's like, well, I'm just going to walk through it. Because, again, as characters or as players, you know that that's kind of what was supposed to happen. 
And I'm I'm glad that it didn't because I screwed up. We could have we could have got a lot more accomplished though if if we yeah, just would have found that good, evidence. Probably half an hour, maybe forty five minutes of being on top of that room. And I tried hard to kind of force your hand a little bit. I mean, I didn't want to railroad you and like push you through it, but like um, you know, you're at the top of the tower. There's an elven uh, you know, tribe that's setting up shop outside. You know they're going to come in there. You really don't have anywhere else to go, and which led to some really good moments I thought in the game, mm-hmm. some really cool role playing, some funny stuff. So in some ways it worked out better. But on top of that, the other thing that was supposed to happen, and, and I've actually, Nico's told me he doesn't listen to these, so I'll, I'll say this because he won't hear it. Um, Nico's character jokes around about magic. You know, he's like throws rocks and calls it a magic missile. You know that out of game, his character is actually really smart and he's playing dumb mm-hmm. for a reason. So his character really does want to try to learn to be a wizard. Like he, he's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, putting those two things together. So I was going to have him find Rook's spellbook who's his other character, who's a wizard that's part of the four people you're supposed to track down. So that would be part of the evidence that they had gone through, as well as giving him a spell book so he could then multi-class into a wizard. And I left that out too. So I'm just like, crap. So as soon as I realized that, I was just like, oh man, I, you know, just fingers (laughs) tapping the table. Well, wait a minute. Did you, um, did you realize that you had left something out while we were in the game, like yeah. while we were sitting there. Yeah, actually, so why didn't you just throw? This is, uh, I think this throw is, us a bone. Well, I think this is when you guys, I believe, actually, when you had already left and talked to the Elven Chief and kind of negotiated your life. And I, I actually think it was when you were leaving the tower. I was like, oh man. So you were out of the tower. So like, during that time, were you confused? Like, why aren't they going? Like, I thought they would have gone in by now. No, it, it didn't even strike me until literally as you were leaving, which, again, I think is part of the whole I'm not 100% yeah. back. Because it literally just like a lightning bolt. It's like, uh, you're an idiot. You completely left out these two major things okay. that you had been planning on for, you know, a long time. So, yeah, so now you are you really don't have any reason even to go back to the tower necessarily. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're going to. Because now, um, the I mean, w- the top of the tower is kind of a dead end to us. I mean, out of game, we know. See, I, I, yeah, it's kind of confusing because out of game, we all know that we were, we're we if we go th- through this, there's going to be something on the other side. Like event, we're supposed to go through this. Probably we're supposed to step into this and go somewhere or, or sometime. You like time travel in your games a lot, but. Um, yeah, what we were doing for a long time was sitting around the table trying to do these um, like blind, dumb experiments with this thing that was in the middle of the room to try and figure out what it was to give us a reason to go in. So we kept doing things. Basically, what we were really doing was looking for some kind of reaction out of you. Oh, really? Like, well, yeah, we were like... Hoping that at some point, like when we did something, like threw something in or put something in, you would you would then say, okay, this happens, and whatever it was that happened would give us would be give us a reason to go. Oh, maybe this, maybe it's not a weapon. Maybe let's see what happens if I go in there. Right. But none. But nothing ever <laughs> happened like that. So yeah, we were just like. Hey, we don't know. We were like, oh, we don't. Yeah, I was uh, like, I don't get this. Like, yeah. I don't. I don't like why. Okay, maybe we're just not supposed to. We're not supposed to go into it right now. So yeah, we left. And now that we left, like, we're not. None of our characters are going to be thinking. We need to go back there. We need to go back there. So and the only see thing I can I can think of, and I, and this wasn't on purpose either. 
it basically was that I just felt like I didn't really want to spend a lot more time in the tower because it wasn't really going anywhere, is that the key that runs the machine did not open the doors. So if I were to find find a way for you guys to get a key that looks very similar, maybe it's a little different engraving, different color, you may think, hey, we could go back to all those locked rooms and there might be something in there. So don't be surprised if sometime very soon you guys come upon a different guest what, key. What locked doors? On every level of the tower, there were two or three different rooms that were all locked. Oh, the other guys were probably yeah, what, this, looking at that while I was talking to the chief. Yeah. Um, so they, they took out the key out of the control panel that ran whatever the machine was, and they tried it in those doors, and it was definitely the same type of key, but it didn't work. So again, if you were to have a different key, it may prompt you guys to go back to see what's in those rooms. Because again, your dad made a living, though it wasn't a great living, finding guest artifacts. Here's a tower full of guest stuff. I mean, there's definitely a market in the city for that, but you also have an elven tribe there that's calling, because it was an elven tower first, they own it, so to speak. They're going to surround it, so it's going to be very difficult to get back. But that, again, might be kind of interesting trying to work that out with this uh, elven chief who doesn't really like you very much. But the other thing that happened in that game I want to talk about, because it almost didn't happen, uh, and something you said triggered it. So, again, I play in a game. It's a combination of, of uh, technology and fantasy. And mostly it was just kind of a stupid off thing. I think uh, you guys were in a tower. It was really tall. And someone kind of made an offhanded joke about there being an elevator. So I put an elevator in there. Like, it wasn't originally there. Okay. But then I did kind of think, well, these guys are, you know, alien technology. They probably would have some sort of device to go up and down. It makes sense, you know. Mm -hmm. But just for somewhat comedy's sake, I made it look like a normal elevator rather yeah. than, you know. What, with the buttons. With buttons. In the tree. And after a little playing around, you guys figured out how to get inside there. And there was a moment where you were on a different floor. The, the, all the elves had started to come in the tower. You were on the top floor, mm -hmm. and they had started to come in, so you knew there were elves, and they were starting to kind of search and come up the tower because they knew you were inside there as well. And I think you went down to a lower level. You were, like, looking around, and you hit the magic button box, whatever, the elevator button. And when it opened, I had an elven warrior standing inside there with a bow, like, basically pointed at you because you were waiting for, the, for it to come open. And as soon as I said that, I said, the door's open, and I kind of paused for a second. I said, and then there's an elf standing there with his bow. And you kind of started laughing. You're like, yeah, that's exactly what I thought was going to happen. I was actually going to say, just kidding, and let you walk in. Because I just thought that would be funny. But then when you were like, oh, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, okay, well, then that's what happens. <laughs> so, so that led to a sequence where you started a fight with the elf inside the elevator. And I think you rolled like a critical failure or something. Something bad happened. So again, I'm like, okay, well, when you miss, your body hits the, the buttons and every button lights up. So now, like in a bad mm -hmm. comedy movie, you guys are fighting in the elevator, and every floor, ding, the doors open, and there's all these other elven warriors who don't know what's happening. Every time they hear ding, they look over, and it just sort of, again, for comedy's sake, they never got to you. And I didn't want them to all overwhelm you. Yeah. So they're all like, I rushing. thought I was going to die anyway. Yeah, they're I all kept rolling so bad. Toward, towards you, but then the doors would always close just before uh -huh. they got there. So it turned out. It turned out to be very funny. You guys seemed to enjoy it. I thought and, it was the best it, part of the night. It, it was, was not awesome. pre-planned. It all just kind of happened because of things that you guys said and did. Uh -huh. And this is something I've talked about before in other podcasts and even on the website and blogs. I think comedy comes from D&D &D in exactly those situations where it's just the characters are doing something that creates comedy rather than a character who's trying to be funny. Like someone who plays mm -hmm. a character. Like, my character's the funny guy, and he's always... Like it just never works because most of us are not talented enough to be actors or actual comedians. 
So we're not that well, funny. and I think what usually happens is like, um, it just becomes uh, instead of your character that like the person who's playing the character that's like always trying to be the comic relief, instead of them actually adding to the story and adding to the moment, they end up taking away by just trying to make jokes all the time. Well, and most of the jokes are outside of the game. Somebody will say something that reminds them of a movie, mm-hmm. and they'll quote that movie, which, which is funny. Ha, ha, well, That's the laugh. biggest thing that happens at our games is Rob goes, <laughs> <laughs> oh, all I can think of is that movie where, which is funny because he takes 30 seconds and says, right. do you guys remember that part? And we, and we all go, no. no. <laughs> and then we go back to the game, which yeah. is fine. It doesn't right. bother me. Yeah, it doesn't, but, but you're right. In some of the other games I can think of, and I won't mention any names, but there are some players that they do add to the game because, again, we're there to have fun. If I'm laughing, I don't care why I'm laughing. I'm having fun. Mm-hmm. But but you're right. Most of the time it's stuff that relates to the real world or to a movie or a video game or, or something that happened at work. But in moments like that, there's comedy because of what the characters are doing in the world. And to me, that's better. Like yeah. I would rather have more of that than the other. But as long as I'm getting one or the other, I'm not going to complain because I'm hanging out with my friends and we're having fun. But to me, that's where I'm. I more enjoy the story, and especially the comedy that is created by what the characters do. And again, my favorite D and D word now is organically. That was an organic thing that happened. I just on the fly made something up. You guys went with it. Comedy ensued. Everybody had a great time because of it. To me, that's a great D and D session. Mm-hmm. No matter what else happened, no matter how bad I screwed up by leaving that stuff out, I felt like you guys had a, had a lot of fun and want to play the next time. And that's really oh, a yeah. DM all I can look. Well, I thought that. it. I thought that it was a great. It was a great set first session coming back just because I had so much fun and the elevator part was the highlight of the night. Yeah. And it's stupid, but it worked out. Very, Except very well. there was one thing that I didn't get. Okay. And that was um, if the the elves um, didn't know what an elevator was, but. Or and we don't. It's when in the game it's not called an elevator, right? But let, we're just calling it. I called it a magic it was an box. Elevator. <laughs> See, that was bad humor. <laughs> not organic. Um, so, and that originally was an elf building. So how was it there? Is what is, I didn't really understand. Okay, so uh, the way I imagine it is that the guests gutted it and put all their own stuff in there. Okay. And so they would have put that in there as well. So in my head, what had happened, you know, again, this all happened in like a nanosecond, is... The GIS engineers went in and started building their own stuff when they took it over. Right, so they built an elevator. But as far as that actual moment would be that the elf was in there um, probably just doing random stuff, hitting buttons, the door opens, same thing, he walks inside, and then it starts moving. Mm -hmm. So he's freaking out, he's got his weapon out, and then when it ding, the door opens, you know, he turned it towards you. He wasn't like ambushing you. He just didn't know what the. But when you said when you said the doors open and there's an elf standing there, I exactly what should have happened. Yeah, and that's what would have happened if it was a movie, you know. Right. That's exactly what would have happened. But uh, yeah, it was a perfect first game to come back to because it was so much fun. The only thing that I felt bad about was I took two Benadryl and I was literally (laughs) like. I was literally, I felt so bad because my eyes, I couldn't even keep my eyes open. I was like doing this. I was trying, I had my hand over my eyes because I didn't want you to see me. 
I didn't want you to make direct eye contact with me and see me like this with my eye, my eyes closed across the <laughs> and, table and from think you. I'm being boring. But and my eyes out. my eyes felt so heavy and like I couldn't stay awake that I was doing. I had my hand up on my forehead a lot with my eyes covered, and then I just felt like right. I was like sick. <laughs> well, and anyone who's listened to this, you probably have already noticed that Evan sniffs a lot. Like every episode, yeah. it's full sniff. Well, part of my recovery program is my wife got me a kitten for. Oh, she got you that cat? Yeah, yeah oh, that, okay. that was a recovery cat well, for me. I didn't... And you're allergic to cats, so you came over to my house, and then we offered you Benadryl because you, we didn't want you... Well, next time I come over, I'll try without it, because even though I took I took those Benadryl, but I still didn't have any reaction whatsoever to the cat. It could have been the Benadryl, but maybe I'm not allergic to that cat, because I've there's been cats that I'm not allergic to. Right. So we'll see. We'll try next time. But yeah, I, I was nervous about this game. Again, I hadn't run a game in two months, and... And I, I've experienced, I've played indie long enough to know, and Nico even kind of mentioned it, when you start to miss games, usually it falls apart. It just That's just the natural evolutionary cycle of D&D games. You miss two or three sessions in a row, people aren't as interested anymore, they you know they, they want to play a different character now, they got this cool idea. I think this game is an exception to the rule, though, because we all love it so much. It's kind of like waiting for the next Lord of the Rings movie to come out, well, that's or not, The Hobbit. That, that's not just putting all kinds of overwhelming, crutching anxiety. Mm, no, it's just, uh, no, I wouldn't put any anxiety, I w- wouldn't want you to take any anxiety, I would just say, like, if... All the other games that I played when I first started playing D D and D were like this. I never would have stopped. I never would have taken a break because I wouldn't have had any reason to. I would have had so much fun. I just would have been like, I just can't wait to play again, you know. So, no, it's just I don't know what it. I I've been trying to think of like what it is exactly about this game that that is so much fun, and we keep wanting to come back to right. it. That, but I don't really know. Well, I think it. I think it comes down to the characters, you know, and whether it was just brilliance on my part or luck or a combination of the two. You guys, all three, got characters that you identify with to a point, and you enjoy playing. Uh, and I think that's why, because the story I make up, you know, I, one of the people I follow on Twitter was talking about this long rant. I won't go into it, but it's pretty funny about how he creates his games. He you know, he listed out like. I do like 37 things. You know, I go to the Bible and I pick a random page and I get three words and then I use those words. And I go to the thesaurus and I find three words that match that. And then I go to the monster manual, pick something, put it in a cave because it's fucking D&D. You know, that's all it is, is you're killing imaginary creatures. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to get overly complex. And I think I try to make it that way by my stories. But at the end of the day, you guys are interacting with some NPCs. You're killing some stuff. You're going to have a good time. Yeah. So I think the thing that makes it better than the other experiences is that you really like the characters that you're playing in and the setting is because I am using, even though it's aliens, it's, it's a little bit more realistic in some ways because there's crime lords and there's, you know, you guys are in strip clubs and you order drinks and there's drug problems. It's, it's a very modern version of a fantasy game where it's not all damsels in distress, wizards and towers and dragons, you know, in the countryside. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I love D and D and that's, that's traditional stuff. But I think this game is just, I think it's just suited perfectly for your guys's personalities. And when we first started playing, I offered you guys the option of randomly assigning those characters, but I created each one specifically for you guys, and I'm glad that we did that, because I don't know if it would have worked as well the other way. Like, if you were playing Grexel, do you think you would have as much fun as playing Zane? No. No, I don't know why. Uh, Zane, I just, like, um, see, Zane, it just, I feel, like, comfortable in Zane's skin. 
I don't know why. Right. And I think Rob is doing a fantastic job with Omi. I think Nico's doing a fantastic job with Grexel because he's in a lot of ways playing the most complex character. And the cat's kind of out of the bag now on the podcast, but on that whole Saturday game, I mean, he was instantly into that character being funny. Uh, you know, even when I'm editing the campaigns, uh, sometimes I laugh out loud at stuff that he's doing. Mm-hmm. Omi, too. Um, but him in particular, like there was one line early on where you're like, do you want to break a leg? And he's like, no, that hurts. And you're like, no, someone else is like, oh yeah, that's fine. And he's just, I mean, it's like a movie kind of line. He yeah. may have stolen it from a movie, but it was just like, as I'm listening to that, I'm like, that was part, I mean, it was, there's no pause either. Like he was just on it. Um, and in fact, he's actually playing a super, not say a super genius, but an 18 intelligent character, very intelligent character, knows all these different languages. He's actually a spy. He works for a rival gang. You know, there's so much complexity to his character more than really than even yours or Omi's. I just think he's doing a fantastic job role playing it. And I think you being the leader, which you don't necessarily like your last character, you said, I don't want to be the leader. That was like your background. And you struggled the whole time to play him because it may be because of your military. I don't know, but you do seem to take the leadership role. So by kind of making you the leader, I think that worked out because you are the leader. I don't feel like that at all. See, I do. I, I, I created a character that would be the leader without question specifically for you because I didn't want you to struggle with the whole, well, this is what I want to do, but I don't want to tell them to do it. I'm like, you're the, like the captain. You get to tell them what to do. And I think that's worked out a lot better because you're not you're not struggling for consensus. You're just saying, this is what I think we should do. You know, again, like a good leader, you're asking, but usually at the end of the day, you're like, you're doing this, you're doing this, and we're going this way. But when it comes, it's funny though, because I know it usually comes to that point and it just comes to that point out of frustration. <laughs> It's well, it, see, that was for what, a lot for I try to ask for a while what we think what like here what what should we do and then um, out of you know if we take two minutes of doing that or five minutes of doing that it just finally gets to a point of frustration with Grexel that I find that I just have a breakdown and go listen this is what we're doing right well see you know, because in the, the game we were playing before we were playing Samson you you know your background was is you were a leader. And basically all your people got killed, so now you kind of question yourself and you don't want to be the leader anymore. So you got to the point where that, so that frustration never got resolved because everybody would be like, okay, we need to do something. And then like all four of you, because Jerry was playing that game, would come up with ideas. No one would just say this, this is what we're doing. And we would have sessions at 45 minutes to an hour just trying to figure out if we would go left or go right. You know, okay, we don't know where we're going to do this or do that. And I think as a player, you were getting very frustrated with that and I think that's one of the things, too, that's probably helping is that we don't have as much of that because you are a leader in the party, uh, you know, just by the, the way the game is set up. Well, I think it's also because not only am I the leader, but I also have the biggest chip in the story right now. So when I make a decision and say, this is what we're going to do, it's not, there's not really, except besides Grexel, but Omi's just like, He's like, okay, yeah, I understand. We're going, we're going to do this because that's what um, Zane wants to do, and what we're doing right now, Zane has like the biggest chip in. Yeah, this is definitely Zane's story right now, mm-hmm. and that's actually one of the things I do think about and kind of worry about is I don't want the other two guys to feel like they're just second actors in your your movie. Right. That's what I will. That's a, the biggest thing that I wish would happen at some point in this story is that there's right now um we're trying to find my dad um my life is being threatened by the elf leader and 
everything really revolves around me and Omi and Grexel are along for the ride and they're being very um accommodating yeah and also like they're just being you know what we're here for you. I don't, I don't know what the word for that is, but they're just being very accommodating. They're be, and they're being they're They could at some point be like, oh, I, this is too much for me. You're on your own. Zane. Right. But they're not, they're being very helpful, you know? And, um, I, what I would hope at some point there comes a time when all of a sudden, instead of I'm headed towards a goal, and they're helping me get there, then all of a sudden, for some reason, you know, Omi finds something out, and Grexel finds something out, and now we're all pointed to the same goal for each person. Instead of, um, I'm trying to get there for me, and they're helping me get there. Now, like, let's say, let's say, like, all the, we go through the story, all the curtains get revealed, and, um, it turns out that, you know, the evil emperor or the person who's behind, like, the evil in the universe or whoever, you know, the biggest villain is in the whole story, let's say. Let's say that that turns out to be um, the guy back at the bar in the city. What's yeah. his name? Graydon. Graydon, okay. So, let, so then when that moment comes, and this is just me writing the perfect story in the game. This isn't, you know, not um, the perfect story for me. Not the perfect story. But th like if I was reading a book and you're reading a book and you're like, oh, I hope, I hope this happens. That's, right. you know, when we find out that like, oh, uh, great, this is all because of Graydon. At some point, like before that, I would want Omi to be like, so the reason why such and such happened in my life is because of Graydon. Right. And then Grexel's like, and the reason this happened to me is because of Graydon. And now, instead of me wanting to go kill Graydon, and they're like, yeah, okay, we'll help you kill this guy. Now we, we all want to go get him together for our own reasons. And I think there's definitely, I mean, what you said makes perfect sense. Uh, and I will try to work towards that. I don't know that I'm going to be able to connect them all that tightly, but I do try to find ways to get them more involved and make their story overlap. But again, just because the way the story is evolving right now, it is kind of the same story, and it's going to be that way for a little bit longer, but I am trying to work in different things, but they're being, again, so accommodating mm -hmm. that they're not really questioning, so it's like, well, it's easy, because your story is the easiest to write for me right now. I mean, it makes the most sense. Um, it, you, you've got a clear path. Right. And that is one thing I wanted to talk about again briefly, and then I wanted to jump to some other stuff out of our game, um, is that... When I when I wrote your background, I basically put that your your dad and your brother disappeared into the the wasteland seven years ago. You don't know why they left without you. They've never done that before that you know of, and it's believed that they were killed. And then you believe that the gang that you worked for had them murdered, and that's why you infiltrated the gang, and that's why you work for them. You're trying to get high enough up or get information to to basically tell you one way or the other what happened to your family. And now this new character, this elf chieftain, basically said, "No, you're." your dad at least never came back into the wasteland. So you have reason to believe now that your dad may be alive or at least what you believe happened to him is not right. So kind of, because again, for me, that was a big reveal for you. So what did you think about, I mean, did that, was it good, was it bad, did you care? Like, what are your thoughts about what's going on with your character, with your dad 
possibly being a lie. It probably, um, I probably took it as, um, as big a deal as you wanted it to be. Like I, it completely changed my, when that information was revealed, I may not have been at the table and gone, oh my God. Right. You know, like an external reaction. But, um, inside I can, yeah, I completely changed everything. It, and like, you just keep making my stack of of chips in the game bigger. Like, you know, first, you know, um, we, uh, I, I had a reason to be like trying be doing things for Graydon and work my way up in the ga- gang, and then you know these people got murdered, and then I was tasked with doing it, and then you know my then my life was in danger in the city. People were trying to find me and kill me, and then we got out there, and now my dad might be alive. Like you keep making my stack of chips bigger and bigger and bigger, and when you said that, or when I found out the possibility that he might still be alive, that was. It, it's good. It's funny because uh, I just, whenever like something like that happens and it's really good, I'm happy because the, because whenever something happens with the story or in the game that I think you did a really good jo- job, it just it makes me happy because I'm just. No, I guess I wouldn't say like I'm. I'm always nervous that the game is gonna get boring, but as long just when it stays good, it just keeps me really happy, which you know is normal. Right. And um, that was just like another thing that made it really, really good. And now I, you know, am even more excited to go back and keep playing. Right. And but I just wish that stuff like that was happening for the other characters. Right. And and I've got one thing set up with uh, Grexel. That if you remember, there was a scene where you were getting murdered or close to it, and Alicia, who was mm-hmm. Grexel's girlfriend, uh, just went like ninja GI Joe badass snake eyes and killed the people that were trying to kill you, and then she ran away, and she's not been seen or heard from since. He hasn't really pushed it yet, but I'm, I'm waiting for him to be like, I want to go find Alicia because he doesn't know where she is, and as far as you know, no one does. So that that's probably the biggest hook I have for him right now is when he finally says. You know this this woman that well and Omi too like or was she just kind of like a piece of ass for Omi and he doesn't really care about her? You'd have to ask Omi. I don't. I didn't set it up that he particularly cared. Like the way, like his character, I think is, is just a a hole. I mean, like literally, I wrote in his character sheet, "You are an a hole." And but I don't think he's playing it to an extreme a hole. And to me, he's being as helpful as possible to you. But like in his in his kind of his private life, you know, with the drugs and the women. And the way it was written in his background is basically he's having sex with Alicia just to see if he can. Just basically trying to push it because he thinks Grexel's an idiot. Mm-hmm. So he's basically just messing with Grexel trying to see how far he can push it without getting caught. So if he's de- de- you know developed a relationship and he actually likes her, that, that's fine. I'll let him decide that. But initially he was doing it just to mess with Grexel. The only thing that I don't like about our game is when you make us role play out the sex with... <laughs> Alicia, I, it, that gets uncomfortable. Well, uh, you know, I mean, I got the jello pool for a reason. You got to use it. It's there. When we, I know, but when we have to get up from the table and walk over to the jello <laughs> pool, I always get uncomfortable. Yeah, that's a long walk for you. Yeah. You make us take <laughs> off our clothes. So, so this actually brings up kind of a funny point I want to bring. One of my first games with you ever was very awkward. Mm-hmm. 
because of that. So we don't actually role play out any erotic. There are games that do, but we don't. Yeah, it, but do if you would have done ER. that with somebody else, or if you would have done that with me now, it wouldn't have been as awkward. Right. I, but at the time, I didn't know how to play D anD D. Right. And so I didn't know what was expected <laughs> out of me in the situation. Right. And so I just I think it makes sense. We'll, we'll briefly cover that as well. So we we were playing in um, in the game. I think we were playing Keep on the Shadow Fell was a module I was running. Again, I bastardized the hell out of it, but it, that was kind of the basis. And I think I had even stolen two NPCs from a different module, and I don't remember their names now. But in the background of the, the lady, and I'm sure there's a lot of people listen to this, or not a lot of people, a couple of people listen to this probably know what I'm talking about. There was like a wizard advisor, and there was like this sort of noble lady, and it wrote in her description that she kind of had the hots for a tiefling. Like she was just infatuated with tieflings. And you were the only one playing the tiefling, so I kind of took that and ran with it. So when you met with these people in the bar, she kind of kept giving you, you know, kind of that she was interested. And you kind of were going with it, but but we talked later. You just thought I was, it was like a, a plot. Like there was something going on. Like she was being held against her will. There's a big secret. You know, there's something she needed to tell you privately. So when she took you up to your room, you kept waiting for me to be like, the guy downstairs is evil, or here's the key to the castle. But yeah. she was just wanting to get it on. So in my mind, what well, I was... and also because going into it, you know, I had never really played D and D before. So also going into it, I was thinking like, it's not really gonna get like I was. I had like this safety <laughs> um, zone in my head, this safety barrier, thinking like, like um, if I kind of progress in like the sexuality of the scene. It's okay because it's not gonna like he does he's not we're not really gonna do that like she's like Michael wouldn't take me to this woman's room because I'm really gonna have sex with this girl he's gonna take me up there and she's gonna like tell me some information right. or something like that so, so when we got up there and she was like all right let's do it I was like <laughs> so in my mind the way that scene would have played out was you get up to the room and you're like okay I'll do this. And then fade to black, next morning, and you're on your way. But because of your lack of experience and, and me not, not realizing what was going on, it was like 25 minutes of very awkward role play <laughs> because you're like, I'm going to look under the bed. All right, she's on the bed. I'm going to look in the closet. Okay, she's taking off her clothes. And then I was trying to like think of something to say to her, and then I was trying to... <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, very, it was very awkward. awkward. So again, lesson and learned here. That's probably why I quit the first it, time. It might have been. Uh, you did come after that though, so you played a couple more. It wasn't yeah. your last session. I think that was actually your first session. I think I have PTSD from that. <laughs> so for the people in this for, that are trying to get something out of this that might use in your game, is if you're going to set up a game because we do use a lot of adult content. And again, mm -hmm. we don't necessarily role play it out, but I have bad things happen to good people. You know, people get murdered. I have children that are in danger. I try to have a realistic adult-themed game. It's just, you know, that's the type of stuff I'm into. Um, so there are characters that are going to have sex, but usually it's, again, fade to black, it's done next morning. You, you know, we don't necessarily get involved in that. So if you are going to have a scene anywhere near that and you have an inexperienced role player, you probably should just say, she clearly wants to have sex with you. Do you want to or not? Or as the D&D, &D, just say, okay, this is how you, you take a You take, you go out of game and you can and sort of like, um, if I, because I'm a new D and D, I kind of announce things out of game. So like, I, I'll go, okay, this is going to be a skill challenge and this is how it's going to go mm -hmm. instead of just keeping it flowing and saying, and like 
you realize we're going into a skill challenge and I and I'm just asking for roles and things like that, I'll take a step out. And I, the reason I do that is because like I think since there's experienced DMs at the table, I want you to know what I'm trying to accomplish so that if you see me doing something wrong, you could say, well, here's probably how you should do it. Like, this would probably be better, right. you know. But if you see it going, like, to a weird place, just go out of game and right. say, okay, this is this is what I'm trying to do, and this is how we'll do it. Right. And definitely something I wish I could have could go back and do differently. Um, I just wasn't picking up on your uncomfortableness. Because, again, we weren't doing any sort of erotic role play but I was putting you in a very uncomfortable situation, and I didn't give you the easy out and just said, she wants to have sex with you. Do you want to? Yes or no? And like I said, fade to black next day. Um, so it was very awkward. Definitely a little bit But then weird. after all that, I think at the end you said, okay, so now what do you want to use to try and impress her or something and roll for it? And I failed. <laughs> so like at the so like we wake up the next morning, and she was like, well, that wasn't very exactly good. Exactly. She, she wanted to have this experience with the tiefling, and you kind of ruined it for her. Mm -hmm. So at least you got that on your resume, right? All right, so we've probably already gone on so long, we'll have to cut this in half at some point or edit yep. out a bunch of it. So is there anything else you'd like to say before we go? No. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm, I had a lot of fun today. Obviously, I, we just played this week. I had a lot of energy. And, this week was a lot of fun. Uh, and just the game, the fact that I screwed up, I thought that, that was stuff I definitely want to talk about. So I'll have to figure out how that goes. Um, so it sounds like Rob's not going to be able to play next week. So are we just not going to? Tuesday? Yeah, he said. Unless there's another day. But I don't think he can play any day except Tuesday. Okay. We'll figure out. Maybe we'll get together Tuesday. So, all right. Well, this has been Michael. And Evan. See you next time. All right. See you. You can give us feedback and comments at our website, dndacademy.com. You can check out previous podcasts at our website and subscribe to future ones on iTunes. If you have a suggestion for a topic, we'd love to hear it. Email your ideas to podcast at dndacademy.com, and you can connect with us on Twitter at dnd underscore academy. As always, thanks for listening, and remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. <laughs>